Podcast Network Asia. The Podcast of Plastic is an initiative by the Break Free from Plastic movement. Hashtag Break Free from Plastic is composed of more than 13,000 organizations and individuals who envision a future free from plastic pollution. BFFP promotes common values of environmental protection and social justice. We acknowledge that to bring systemic change, we need to tackle plastic pollution across the whole plastics value chain. From the extraction of fossil fuels that serve as the feedstock of plastic, all the way to the disposal of plastic waste. Welcome to the Podcast of Plastic. This is a show where we get to talk directly with the experts and actual waste warriors that have dedicated their lives, not just to ridding our planet of plastic pollution, but to ensuring that communities and citizens are uplifted and empowered rather than being negatively impacted by the plastics crisis. And yes, as Captain Planet says, the power is yours to make a difference. But this difference cannot be made possible without systemic change and big and bold action from global corporations. I'm your host, Antoinette Toss, honored to join you on this mission as together we explore the truths and myths of plastic pollution and, more importantly, how we can all be a part of the solution. This podcast is inspired by the Emmy-awarded documentary, The Story of Plastic. If you haven't seen the story of plastic, please do so. It's really an eye-opener, so don't miss out. Find out about the evils of plastics and, more importantly, what we can do to save the Earth from the plastic invasion. For more information on the story of plastic and Break Free from Plastic, go to www.breakfreefromplastic.org. Planeteers, in winning battles, there is strength in numbers. That's why we have this podcast. That's why we have the documentary, The Story of Plastic. That's why there are numerous social media campaigns on educating consumers on the hazards of plastics. The battle against plastics is a major one. I don't know how to stress this enough. I guess if you are a Harry Potter fanatic like I am, this is sort of the battle for Hogwarts. Or if you are a Twilight fan, this is the Saga Part 2. But at any given moment, we can identify other issues that need our attention. The climate crisis is popularly being pitted against the plastics crisis. It seems to me as though we are being asked to choose based on urgency. To be honest, the answer is easy. We don't have to choose. The climate crisis and the plastics crisis are interconnected. Both are urgent. Both are important. Both need action now. To explain how the two are interconnected, we take a few steps back and find out how plastics are made. Now this might be surprising, but plastic is made of fossil fuels. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my, you heard me right. Plastics are made of fossil fuels. Planeteers, let's get right into it. We are grateful to have with us today Swati Seshadri from the Center for Financial Accountability in India. 
Swati, thank you so much for being with us today to clarify such a seemingly complicated topic that we know you shall be able to communicate in the most insightful way. Thank you. Thank you, Antonia. We'd like to go direct to the question of where do plastics come from? These are the words you typically hear. Nafta, ethane, butane, propane. These hydrocarbons, as they are called, are extracted from the crude oil. So from there, from the hydrocarbons, we get the ethylene and the propylene, which become the foundation or the feeding, which then is converted into plastic. Typically, what's made first are like small beads of plastic, if you were to simply put it. These are small beads of plastic which are made and then these are easily transported across to different factories which, where then these small plastic beads are melted and then made into the cups and the spoons and the bottles, you know, that we see. So the, the source of nine, almost 99% of the plastics in the world today is made really from fossil fuel. It could be natural gas or it could be crude oil. Well, there you have it. Plastic is made from oil. Before we move forward with my interview with Swati, I want to remind you that there is a current trend on renewable energy. A lot of countries and corporations are talking about it. So this shift of attention to renewable energy leaves a gaping hole on how the oil industry will continue to generate income. The petrochemical industry is continuing to flourish even after the shift to so-called clean renewable energy. The reason is that petrochemical is being diverted for petrochemical products like pesticides, fertilizers, other chemicals, and then, of course, the very, very, very massive component of plastics. So there's a push towards the plastic industry. Another concern, of course, is greenwashing on the topic of renewable energy. Swati continues. How clean is the clean renewable energy that we see uh, is a question. The same companies who were selling fossil fuel products like petroleum and you know plastics and others are now entering the renewable energy space. They're not doing it because they're worried that the earth is going to go bust. They're doing it because they want to earn profit because that's where the profit is. It's the current fashion. And therefore, what we need to understand is that the renewable energy profits are land intensive, which means people will be dispossessed. If you think we are painting a very bad image for the oil producers, well, that's because that's the truth. They care so much about profit, neglecting and sacrificing the negative impact on people and the planet. The ports become very important. And so you have the ports along the coast, which become points of entry for the fossil fuel to come into the country. And it is then along the port that you have the big refineries, which then process this crude oil and gas, which comes in. The other thing, uh, I'm not too sure how it is in the other countries, is that once it comes to gas, then you have the pipelines which are crisscrossing across the country. And um, these gas are highly inflammable. And, and uh, communities living along where you know the pipelines are passing are then vulnerable to flare-ups and other accidents you know, at the cost of their lives. So um, that's one thing. What happens to the people right at the bottom is that because these are located along the ports, the effluents from the industries are being dumped into the, into the sea and into the river, therefore polluting the water. 
uh, when water temperatures rise, the fish uh, feed, uh, the fish productivity reduces, affecting fisher folk. Agricultural land is left contaminated, crops are not flourishing, uh, fish workers are not able to catch fish, and so massive livelihoods are as well lost. As human beings, we never want to purposely harm people or the environment or anything at all around us. But sometimes when we are not aware or when we are misled, we do not realize that we're essentially already becoming a part of the problem. So the plastic bottle that we are actually using to drink water or anything else uh, has come at the cost of somebody's health and life as well. I'm just thinking of the first time I drank, I used a bottle, a plastic bottle and drank from it for some water. I definitely didn't realize or didn't think that it's coming at the cost of health and livelihoods. And now when I see a plastic bottle, the first thing that I'm reminded of is the number of people who've had to give up their lives and livelihoods so that I can have that convenient bottle of water. And then, of course, now I try not to use that plastic bottle and ensure I use a metal one and carry one wherever I go rather than buying disposable single-use plastic, which is possibly the worst form of plastic that could be found. Swati, thank you so much for that very passionate explanation and reflection as well. When it comes to choosing between what needs to be done, we always say that we wish it wasn't so much about people and the planet and profit. We want to see more of people, planet, and purpose, looking at that positive impact and meaning. But people seem to think that we need to choose between the climate crisis and plastic production, even bringing in the pandemic into it. And both are actually very urgent and really bad problems. Now, when we say that, do people really need to choose between the two? I personally don't think that they have to, but to give us more insight on why we truly believe that they don't have to choose, can you explain a little bit more, Swati? If you look at the greenhouse gas emissions of of the plastic industry, it's it's actually mind-boggling. I mean, just to give you, you know, some uh, you know numbers of what it looks like, so that we understand the whole uh, seriousness of the matter itself. You know, is that the Center for in- International Environmental Law? had done this report where they said that global global emissions from the plastic life cycle uh, has increased by more than 50% of the 2019 levels within just one year in 2020 right and uh, and 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 that sorry by 2030 it will increase 50% and it's equal to 300 coal fired power plants So plastic is no better than a coal-fired power plant. Swati's battle against plastics definitely brings the realization that individual efforts count, but also... Uh, I think it's political will and, um, you know, the, the big corporations losing out on profit. Today, it's a nexus between the corporations and the politicians, and and that's what's leading decisions, and that's what defining purpose rather than the, the good of the people. And I think that is something that that perspective needs to change. Thank you so much, Swati Shasadri from the Center for Financial Accountability in India. We are truly grateful for the time that you've spent with us today. From India, next, we have some very special guests from Taiwan. We have with us today Xavier Sun from Taiwan Zero Waste Alliance and Yan Ting Lin, researcher and campaigner for Environmental Rights Foundation, Taiwan. 
what we really want to talk about today is the negative impact, of course, of fossil fuels and petrochemicals on communities and how it is related to plastic pollution. You might want to stop what you're doing for this. Okay, actually, um, in Taiwan, there is a very large petrochemical industry complex near the sea area. So it's quite large, and there are over sixty factories in it. So the main product over there is, first of all, is turning fossil fuel to gasoline for use in the regular cars. But more and more, their products become more and more on the plastic side. So they make PVC, PP, and PE, and all, almost all the general plastics that you can name it. Just in the south, there is a village. It's called Taishi Village, and that village suffers from the air pollution. And our scholars have studied that in the beginning phase of this uh, operation of this uh, industrial complex, and uh, in in the recent phase of operating, then they compare these two and to see what are the cancer rates in this Taishi Village. Just in the thousand parts of the complex, another scholar also、uh, showed that the average cancer rate might in in that area is、um, a little bit more, and but it is significantly more than other places in Taiwan. So just、uh, by、uh, air pollution, we observed lung cancers. And、uh, liver cancers; those are the two main cancers that happens in that village. Scary. Where companies are trying to make it seem like we'll keep producing plastics as long as we can manage whatever it is that we put out there, and there's just no way as well because the fact that you're going to continue producing plastics—that's already it. You already have emissions. There's a huge carbon footprint, and You're using raw materials, and not just any raw material, fossil fuels as raw materials to make it. So when we speak of them saying that they will truly be net zero by 2050, do they really mean that this means zero plastic production? Because I think that's the picture of the world that we are really trying to paint. That is our goal—a world free from plastic waste, with zero plastic production, and of course. Eliminating its contribution to climate change. Now, if you could imagine that kind of world, could you give us a preview, each of you, like what a future would look like with zero plastic production, or is it even possible? I think it would be impossible for them to actually reduce all the plastics production to. Zero in 2025. Of course,、uh, I am happy to imagine. This kind of future that's actually maybe there are still some、uh, daily materials that we used、uh, daily and not single use can be replaced by plastic. Perhaps in the near future there are still things that still be plastics, but at least they are not single used. So I think that in、uh, in the future, that what I expect is that they only produce that kind of. But plastic materials that,、uh, in the for our current knowledge, that is not easily、uh, replaced by other materials. Now, when we speak of plastics, Yanting, sometimes people say "out of sight, 
out of mind, but I really feel like this does not apply to plastics. I mean, it is everywhere, anywhere there are human beings or even actually in the deepest depths of the ocean, plastic has been found. At the end of life, and by end of life, we mean when a piece of plastic does not serve a purpose anymore, we think that we can simply toss it into a bin, and that's the end of it. We don't realize that it still ends up in landfills or worse, the environment. From the air we breathe, to the water we drink, to the food we eat, to human organs, plastics have invaded everything. Now is a good opportunity we can discuss how to re reduce the about the plastic use. And I think about the circular economics and about the sea pollution, I think those life cycle we can discuss in this how to achieve the 2050 net zero emission about this roadmap. We can also discuss how to reduce about the plastic use. One last question we would like to ask. As much as we would like to take action right away, we want change to happen now. It's definitely not happening as quickly as it should. But it is an urgent issue. Would you say that we are fighting against a deadline? Is there a deadline in solving plastic pollution? And how do we solve this? And how soon does it need to happen? We are so happy that the UN have achieved a uh, uh, less than two uh, Celsius, Celsius degrees increase, and uh, best best to keep it at one point five Celsius degrees. But uh, right now, uh, there are some new studies uh, showing that if if we uh, do little right now, there will be like a three degrees Celsius increase at the end of century, perhaps. And of course, I think. Um, uh, it's uh, it's never too late because uh, uh, we can still adapt if we can uh, uh, reduce the, for example, we can reduce the plastic production uh, because uh, what we really need in our real life for plastics is much less than what they actually produced. People think that plastics are important in uh, every every angle of life, and uh, we can we can't live without that. But actually, it's not true. Uh, just looking back from our grandpa's grandma's era, we can know that we can actually really live almost without plastics. Not only the emission should be hugely reduced as quick as possible, and also they have to reduce their production on plastics. And because uh, we all know that even those plastics that we can use for a long time, at the end they they are still going to be uh, discarded, and perhaps they can be recycled once. The first thing, actually, every uh, petrochemical industry can really do and it's easy for them to do is not to leak those plastic noodles because they are just a little bit smaller than five millimeters so they can they are also called microplastics 
Nurdles, oh my goodness, just in case people are wondering, nurdles are those tiny little plastic beads or pellets, and we see animals ingesting this, it's mixed in the sand, and it's just so hard to clean it up when it ends up in the ocean or the environment. I feel like there's actually no way to really clean it up completely, and the fact that plastic itself already lasts forever. But we'd like to take it back to you, Yunting, for one final answer, and Xavier did confirm. Now is the time. We cannot wait. The deadline is today and it needs to be done. Solutions need to come forth and not just, of course, fake solutions or stopgap measures, but real and concrete solutions. What can you say about that, Yanting? About the plastic, I think this is the urgent issue. And I think we can see about the two ways. About the first one is about the pollution, like the air pollution or the water pollution or ocean pollution. I think this pollution is impact those citizens around the petrochemical industry. Like in Taiwan, we also have more 100 people. They also suit the Taiwan, like the Formosa plastic day, because those citizens, they're like their parents, they also got the cancer and also died. We have to protect their health rights and protect their environment. And about another thing is about the carbon emission. I think this year is the great opportunity we can think about how to imagine our future life, about how to about the plastic, it will be what kind of thing in our future. We can ask the petrochemical industry to reduce their like gasoline use and uh, ask them to sue the circular economy to about their production. And I think this time we can sue these two ways to think about how our future lies and how to solve all the plastic issue. Thank you very much, Yanting, and of course, Xavier, for sharing your insights and your wisdom. You brought it back to the people once again. And yes, we are talking about plastics, but more than just that, we are talking about its negative impact on all of our lives, you and I included. Just like climate change, no one can escape the plastic pollution crisis, and we are all going to be impacted if we don't act now. Now, if you have any main takeaways from this episode, I hope it's these two. First, the fight against plastics is a fight against carbon emissions. It's a fight against pollution and climate change. It's not that we have to choose between the two. One crisis is happening because the other exists. Plastic production directly warms our planet. Second, it's a fight for our lives. Just because we are not in communities living beside factories that poison us with toxic emissions, it doesn't mean that it's right to let this continue. We need to do our part now for everyone, everywhere. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Comment on our posts on Facebook and Instagram and make sure to tag us at Break Free From Plastic. Next episode on the podcast of plastic, the waste trade. Yes, you heard that right. Waste is being traded. 
why, where, and how? All your questions answered in our next episode. To learn more on this war on plastics, you can also watch The Story of Plastic with a newly minted Emmy Award. The great news is it's available for free on Discovery's YouTube channel until the end of November 2021. The journey doesn't end there, though. You can then take action in your community or school after screening the film. Just head on over to www.breakfreefromplastic.org to learn more about the documentary and the ways you can take action. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Antoinette always grateful to be your host, reminding you to pass this episode on to your friends. The more people know about the plastics crisis, the more voices we have to speak up against it. Now is the time to band together. This is not a fight of just one or two countries. This is a fight for the whole planet. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.